and welcome to the Glacial Musical Podcast. This is Nick Cameron, serious musical journalist, joined by Kerfuffle Chuckus. How are you doing today, Kerfuffles? I am super kerfuffled today. Life is what it is. It kicks us in the junk and uh, we can, yeah, then, then, then something happens. I don't know. As we record this, it is Thursday. We have not spoken in nearly 24 hours. Uh, I missed you deeply, mercilessly, and I apologize to miss me. Oh, I, I have plenty of time alone and less than pants and yay. I'm sorry. That was from the state. That's New York stuff. You should love that. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm going to stop talking before, uh, I get, I get start sexually harassing one of us. Hmm. When in doubt, always so harass yourself. But then I won't respect myself. Well, you better check and you check yourself before you rock yourself. Sorry, it's been a bad for your long day. About two and a half hours ago, I'm driving home with my daughter, and I realized, oh shit, we have a podcast to record tonight. And oh, I, well, no rush. And Sorry. I was thinking, and I was thinking to myself, oh my god, should I even be driving? I'm so tired. Mm. And I don't know what the deal was. I was just dead tired. And then I got home and I did uh, my usual drink of beer when I get home. To that, That's how I, I, I cut off my day and ordered some pizza. And I felt great. The pizza was three blocks away and it took over an hour to get here. That is whack. And was cold. So, <laughs> yay! You could walk pizza. over and complain. Uh, pretty, I mean, I would drive cause I'm lazy, but it's not that far. I, I called them after a bit and almost an hour and they're like, oh yeah, she left like 20 minutes ago. I'm like 20 minutes ago. What the that hell? Right here. Did she go somewhere else first? I'm like, we're, we're <clears throat> St. Louis is, uh, has a, has 79 different neighborhoods and this pizza place is literally in my neighborhood in right. my officially bounded St. Louis neighborhood. They're on the edge. I'm on an edge, but I also live in one of the smallest, like, sized neighborhoods. So uh, I could have walked there in less than that and stopped and caught a football practice on the way over. But that's besides the point. Just what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And then I, anyway. ordered, I ordered food too close to this podcast, which is what delayed it even further. So you were waiting for me ultimately when you were scared of being late. That's my bad. I won't do it again. But I was having a rough day, and I needed to eat some shitty carbs. And, uh, uh, no, I I am hypoglycemic. I'm hypoglycemic, and I will always wait for somebody to get food when they need it, because mm-hmm. my family does not understand. Hangry is not a good feeling. No, it's not. I'm gonna crack open a Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. We were just talking about that beer yesterday. It is delicious. It's one of my favorites. I actually prefer the the standard voodoo over the imperial but i don't know i guess it was on sale whatever i don't care but um you know putting back some uh india pale ales makes perfect sense for the uh the topic we are broaching today we are continuing on with amazing bands in amazing decades that was very radio of you i liked it well welcome to k1045 the i i, I got nothing I used to do WKCR, Harlem Community Radio, and hear now the news. And then they'd be like, yo, who this cracker? Um, <laughs> who, let the crack, who let the narc in? Like, dude, I, I, I puff. I'm not a narc. 
Um, <laughs> I have a shit beer and a great beer. So I'm polishing off a peebs because I need it went with the shitty quality of the food I needed to ingest quickly. And then I have an actually good beer if we get far enough to get a good beer. Are we going to do like a, an album of breaking an album today? We're just going to formally let everybody know our scheme. Yeah, that, that's how we go. I mean, yeah. but for me, as a beer connoisseur, aficionado of the malted hop grain juice, as it were, there is no shame in my game. I will bust out Bush. Head for the mountains. Not Bush like, because that's disgusting. But, you know, I will drink Bush. I will drink Michelob Golden Draft. Do they still Light. own the Cardinals? No, no. Oh, no. they sold. They sold no the idea. Cardinals, God. Decade, decades ago. I don't, okay. I don't remember when it was. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I still drink. I, I mean, I, I will drink a shitty American piss water lager if the situation calls for it. If you're eating a shitty St. Louis cracker pizza, which is not shitty, it's fucking delicious. You got to you gotta kick back some St. Louis lagers. And perfect. A bush beer goes great with an Emo's pie. I, however, mm. drank a Deadhead IPA with my Alicia's pie, which didn't work out as well. Is that a Grateful Dead-themed beer? It is actually a Grateful Dead-themed beer. I was at my favorite closeout <laughs> drugstore, Globe Drugs. Is where the they beer sell... better than the band? Because the band is not good. Oh, it's much better than the band, but it's still not great. That Just like the band. Just better than you think it is. Not as good as you thought it was. Correct. 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 But today we... Amazing. The band, not so much. (laughs) We are beginning our decade series. We're going to go to the 70s, which if you're going to start in the 70s, there's only one band you can start with, which is, of course, the beginning, the end, the everything, as Ronnie James Dio would put it. Black Sabbath! But we're not leaving Tony on his own because he's not here. I'm sorry, I listened to Live Evil like three days ago. I would say this. We went long on on Maiden because we had to. We will not be going long on this one. No, there really isn't that much to talk about. Because they they really, they start off amazing and they really take a shit in the bed at the end. Just in time to fucking fix it. Well, no, I mean at the end of the decade when Ozzy is kicked out. At the end? No, before. Before. but like um, around the middle. Yeah, well, we're going to see. Spoilers, There's spoilers. A... Spoiler alert. Um, Black Sabbath, man, formed in the 60s. As the, what's the original name? Well, Earth, but also, no. also they came from a band called Mythology. No, That's before, where Bill and Tony were in. Before Earth, they had a different name. It was the, the Polka Tulk Band. Polka Tulk Blues Band. I don't know band. what the fuck that means. It didn't last long. I mean, it was People. probably like a month, but flower power bullshit. Well, I mean, they were always dressed high. for flower power. They were they were bell bottom wearing dudes. Yes, they were with flowery shirts and hairy chests. And it was Magnum PI from the seventies. Peace signs from Ozzy. Oh yeah, was, uh, he thought he was a fucking rapper. So how do they start? Let's start there. <clears throat> Headphone malfunction there. Um. Yeah, so yeah, Polka Tulk Blues Band, uh, which had a slide guitarist, and Earth had a saxophonist, and they didn't know what kind of band they wanted to be. And then supposedly, Iomi went to go see the movie Black Sabbath, and he was like, I want to do that, scare the shit out of people. Horror music rock. If, uh, the, if the comic book is to be believed, Tony and Geezer both played Black Sabbath 
simultaneously having written it on their own. <laughs> yeah, Probably yeah. not true. <laughs> Possibly not true. <laughs> I know that Geezer is given to flights of fucking fancy. He was extremely high and like, oh, I was asleep in the room, man, and uh, I saw the the, the the satanic bible open to a page and then i saw a gremlin and then i wrote rat salad like okay dude <laughs> put the fucking weed down stop snorting up every fucking line that's not a baseline and fucking chill because like dude you're ridiculous we we haven't even gotten to the cocaine part we're not we even have, near oh the my cocaine god they, they have a couple of records i think that have a co-write from cocaine basically um gapped um everybody knows a lot of this stuff you know like unlike maiden where people i don't think really know the history we don't have to do the down by down in and out of every little thing people know iomi cut his fingertips off they know he tuned the strings down they know he put the little nibs on his fingers they know that they were into witchcraft but they were really very christian boys they were into witchcraft as like watching a movie yeah the gimmick it was right. a gimmick for them. Ozzy's super, very religious. Geezer's very religious. And, uh, you know, the ultimate blowback about the Satanism actually startled them and upset them because they felt like they weren't going to be able to go out of their houses. This is obviously not true, but that's uh, what they Apparently thought. there was a coven of witches that put a hex on them, mm. which is why they all started wearing like 18-inch crosses. The crosses that I think Iomi's dad made for them. In they the were I believe they were aluminum. Same steel mill or iron metal mill where Iomi's fingers got lopped off. And uh, shout out to Django Reinhardt, the great jazz musician from France who burned his fucking hand and then figured out how to play with two fingers. The other two fingers Iomi doesn't have tips on. So he had the opposite problem, but that's what he did. And uh, it made Iomi believe that he could do this. You know, um, and they get together and they start writing this initial record that becomes Black Sabbath. Uh, I'm going to go with a very controversial out of the gate take that the year and a half before Black Sabbath even picked the name Black Sabbath, there was already a band called Coven that you know I stand for. Mm -hmm. I have interviewed Jinx Dawson. I'm not saying they musically sound alike. Actually, later Coven now sounds like Black Sabbath. Initial Coven sounds like moments of Black Sabbath, especially the psychedelic and blues rock stuff. They had a bassist named Oz Osborne. I'm not saying it's the most uncommon name, but that was the dude's name. Their first song on the first album is called Black Sabbath. All their shit is satanic rituals and Satan and witchcraft and ghouls and fucking monsters and the occult. You're, you're, and I swear you're to gonna you, these, you're, these you're, guys... You're going to say it. Go ahead. What am I going to say? I'm saying say I'm... A lot of people refute this, but it's it's really like they definitely were aware okay. of this band. And I'm going to say, here's the other thing. This band had a hit song before they were ever fucking famous because they had a hit song that they did a cover of One Tin Soldier. Um, I think it's from the movie Billy Jack. I could be mistaken. Oh, my God. One, Don't say Billy Jack. I'm going to have to watch that fucking movie. One Tin Soldier. My best friend has been asking me for 25 Became years. a humongous hit song. Un, and, and now in the guy, if you don't know Coven and you just hear the song, it actually sounds very Christian and religious and like be good to your neighbor and be a good person and overcome the odds. But then when you figure out later what Coven was all about and they were true 
um, not quite Levian Satanists at the time, but kind of left-hand path people from way back, all of them. It was not a gag. It was real uh, for them. And, uh, you know, when you hear this very Christian good, good, you know, goody, goody, do goody song sung by these evil Satan worshipers, even this positive major chord key song takes on a new meaning when you understand that it's Jinx Dawson singing it. So there's no way they weren't aware of Coven. There's no way they All didn't right. know. You, they... you didn't say it, so I'm going to have to say it. Uh, the horns were first used by Coven. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, look, like the the symbol goes back before Coven. Yeah, it's it's not a metal. The Coven symbol. was the it was an Coven was the first symbol. band to use it. It was in their photos. It's on the back cover of their first album. It was in all their publicity photos. She used to do it. It is the 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 uh, the the horns of the goat, the mono mono de corno. I can't say it correctly. Um, you know, Dio might have made it infamous, right? Dio made it he, popular. He, Look, Dio was to the horns as Eddie Van Halen was to tapping. Yeah. He popularized it. He wasn't first, but also he did it the best. So that's Correct. I'll give, we'll give credit. Dio definitely, you don't have to argue, he did it the best. And, um, but yeah, Coven did a lot of things first. And a lot of people took influence from them. I, I will go down on that hill. You can check out my interview with Jinx Dawson on Ghost Cult's YouTube. It's one of our most popular videos. If you're interested in the real history of occult rock, um, again, the heaviness, the sinisterness, the tritone, the riffs, that's all Black Sabbath. I'm not trying to take anything away from those guys. I love them. Just like Led Zeppelin copied and borrowed without mercy because everyone was doing it back then. I'm not singling them out. Everyone did it. And for British people, it was the not, it was a respect. You copied a lick or a song. You know, um, Eric Clapton, who's not very popular or smart right now, <laughs> did the solo of Sunshine of Your Love, one of the most the greatest rock and roll songs ever. The solo, people don't know this, is a classic jazz song called Blue Moon. Well, Mike McCready <clears throat> stole a solo from Snake Sabo. I mean, stole Mike McCready solo. stole solos from everybody, including Ace Frehley, because he couldn't come up with any on his own. I, I like my way of doing mm. I like my way better. Mike McCready stole from Snake Sabo, who stole from Ace Frehley, okay, who fair. stole from Robbie Krieger, who stole from somebody else. Yeah, that sure. solo has been, it's like passed down. The Alive day. solo? That, the Alive solo? No, she, solo. Uh, she. Yeah, it's all, yeah, but I'm saying for Pearl Jam, it's Alive. Oh, oh, I, I don't know. I, I hate Pearl Jam, but oh, it's a... No. Uh, if it's if it is a lot on their song alive though it's that totally. is the greatest thing i've ever heard that, yeah. that's because it can he probably heard it first on ace fraley doing it yeah. on she. alive on alive too or live no, Sorry, alive. Alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes very that's just funny yeah that's just a but cool, i would also cool argue that occult rock was even a little earlier than coven after yeah, Daddy's child came out in 1967 lucifer's friend there's a lot of them there's a lot of them. It's not Black just... I think my, my partner Duncan from the, the DMA podcast put it best when he said Black Sabbath wasn't necessarily the first metal band, but they were the first band to have the entire package all at once. And if you hmm. listen to the That's track true. Black Sabbath, hmm. it is everything we consider to be metal now. We have argued about, not argued, but we've discussed at length what is the original origin of heavy metal and to me from the bell to the rain to that that first chord that second chord that and that third chord yeah oh yeah 
is the beginning of metal. There are songs that are metal-ish before that without the intent. They intended to do that. They did it Correct. on purpose. It wasn't an accident. This was their mission statement. We're going to be fucking heavy and evil and mean and scary. And it worked. Right. And they did that. And they they wrote thought-provoking lyrics. They did fantastical lyrics. They did <clears throat> political lyrics. They did romantic lyrics. And they did a little bit of everything. But it always, for the, for a while, first four albums at least, three albums definitely, it came across as fully formed metal. Yeah, Steppenwolf. And, 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 you know, just like a lot of other bands. Oh, you were going to say Steppenwolf. You know, Steppenwolf was a little metal. metal. Deep Purple was metal-ish sometimes. Blue Oyster Cult, kind of metal. Alice Cooper <clears throat> got metal in the 80s. Yeah, Zeppelin wasn't metal, but their heavy, fast blues is the birth of you know, proto metal a little. Correct. There's a lot of punk that was also MC5, Stooges, Raw Power, metal-y, metal-ish, metal light, but right. not metal. And not punk either. Not truly punk, but pretty punk. But I would um, also make the, the, the argument that heavy metal did not exist as a legitimate genre until the 80s. Until such point, it was, is this, is this a movement? Is this a revolution? As Tommy Lee Jones put it in Under Fire, there's a difference. That's a great movie if you ignore the vast, vast, vast majority of it. Because it's it's terrible. I but love this Tommy is a- Lee Jones, and he kind of resurrected himself to me when he did Captain America, the winners, the first so American Avenger. But um Hey, but in this he's, in he's this also moment, got some clunkers. Of course he does. But it, so does De Niro, but not the point. In this um, moment, he says a movement travels so far and goes away. A revolution continues. So nice disco done. is a movement. Grunge is a movement. Oh, punk is a takes, movement. See, I think punk is a, was a revolution that kept going. The commercialization. What happens is also as you and I get older and our age group ages up and ages up, what was revolutionary becomes Walmart. I called this weekend when I saw <sighs> I was at Bottle Rock and I saw Foo Fighters. I was like, these guys are incredible live and they have fun songs and they're a fun band. And Dave is a great frontman and ambassador for rock. They are the Walmart of music though. Like, Completely. And, like they, there's not trying to be innovative or great. They're just partying and rocking. And it's almost like if Nickelback was good, that's what Foo Fighters is. Yeah, one, one, I was going to say Nickelback. So thank you for being that guy. That I wanted to be. Appreciate that. Yes. This two, is how you remind two, me. Two. Nickelback has about seven to eight legitimate bangers. Mm. Five I of them want, I, on Dark Horse. I know. I have had several members of Ghost Cult's writing staff threaten to quit if I ever cover Nickelback, let alone interview them. But it, totally, Chad Kroger is on my bucket list of people to interview and. I get a chance to interview him. It's all right, all right, all right. Let's 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 move away from the Nickelback. We're Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Bla- Black Sabbath. They they make this first record. Everything about it is fucking creepy. Everything about it is unnerving. They are the opposite of Zeppelin. Uh, they were not heralded, unlike Jimmy Page, you know, who had a reputation already worldwide as as an incredible session musician and producer and writer. That's and a really good point writer. because you have Jimmy Page who. Not even arguably, but most definitely buries Tony Iommi 
in every sense. Very almost everybody. In right, as era. a guitar player. <laughs> However, Jimmy Page was not as revolutionary as Tony Iommi. Tony I, Iommi took his I limited ability <laughs> and limited finger numbers and and was able to turn a disability into a revolution. 8.5 fingers. Um, and And unlike Jimi Hendrix, he doesn't use the thumb. So really, he's down to... 6.5 fingers. Anyway, God. he um this got weird. I'm going to dis I'm going to disagree about how revolutionary Jimmy is, but I don't know that we're going to get to do Zeppelin on this run unless we get bored, but Oh my um, god, that would take way that's like a no. that's like a 6-month series. No, the 70s of Zeppelin would be enough. Like to do Zeppelin 3 to the end would be enough. But um anywho, 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 anywho Zepp, so Sabbath they they unheraldly put this record together. They have, you know, every band, as they say, you have your whole life to write your first record and six months to write your next one. And that's going to come up again in six months after Black Sabbath when they started writing the next one or sooner even. Yeah, the um, first and second album both came out in 1970. Unfucking believable. Completely. Again, like Maiden, right out the gate, brilliant. Um, fully formed, as you like to say. So, well, you know. a lot of bands in this world, you know, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, mm-hmm. Morbid Angel, Carcass. I mean, I can go on where you have these bands that have this progression where they don't even find their identity until album three or four. Right. So, that, yes, that is why I like to say fully formed when applicable. Right. Um, the birth of heavy metal, the birth of metal, the birth, the birth of doom metal, the birth of stoner rock metal. All these subgenres spring from those first three notes of this first song of this first album. This I, I would band. also argue thrash Weed. metal is here. A little bit, a little bit Wait. of heavy, little, yeah. You know, Wicked World. I mean, Black Sabbath, the, the thing that makes them so amazing on their first few records is they did, the, the they are a wellspring of the blizzard of genres that we are dealing with now. It's all in there. And these guys were probably so they, they recorded this record in 12 hours on two four tracks and probably were so fucking high. They don't remember a minute of it. Right. Out of curiosity, before we go through the album, what was your experience with the first time you heard, well, let's say you were young as was I. So the first time you heard this record that you were aware of the tracks, did you have the UK album or the US tracks? Because like, this is a very debatable okay. topic about how many, what are the real songs? Which are the songs? Okay. How many songs okay. are on a side? Yada, yada, yada. Where I'm going to go with this is going to be weird. Bring it. I asked you for a reason. Uh, <clears throat> as a small child, seven, eight, nine years old, I loved Ozzy, I loved Kiss, I loved Iron Maiden, and Quiet Riot. I had no fucking clue that there was a thing called Black Sabbath. But, you know, Flying High Again, Bark at the Moon, Crazy Train, these were my jams. Uh, 1985, 86 rolls around, and the Road Warriors are using Iron Man as their ring entrance song. So I talked to my buddy and I sing it to him. Apparently, this was a time that I could sing a song well enough that somebody knew what the hell I was doing, which is no longer a thing for me. But he looks at me like I'm the biggest idiot in the world. And he says, yeah, that's Black Sabbath. That's Ozzy Osbourne's old band. I'm like, wait, what now? He's like, yeah, I got a tape at home. 
So that that was how I heard Black Sabbath. And he lent me one of the many Don Arden, you know, Black Sabbath Got No Money tapes. It was uh, Black Sabbath Greatest Hits featuring Ozzy Osbourne. Gross. And uh, I don't think I actually got the album until much, much later. So for me, I'd say it's got five tracks. Okay. Um, but yes, I discovered Black Sabbath from the fucking Road Warriors. So uh, if, yes, if you're Fuck gonna yes. do it, if you're gonna do it, there, there you go. You do it right. I was probably more aware of songs than albums. Um, and you'll get to this memory of me as a small toddler. Uh, in the next again, record. as we've mentioned many times, you are slightly older than me. It's not a significant number, but at this time, it becomes very significant. Yeah. But I'm going to say the first time I was aware, you're right. Yes. The first time I was probably fully aware of this uh, track listing and the order and like, oh, songs come in this order when you're not hearing it on the radio one song at a time. And it was in my brother's green Pinto on an eight track. And this was one of his 10 eight tracks that he had in the console in the, in the space between the seats. He had like a little tray that had his eight track tapes and this was one of them i think he had 38 special hotel california Kiss hotel california oh, t- and, and t- wait 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 dark side dark side and hang on hang on um shit what's the other one uh la woman no no more, okay. no after that it was all like yes and genesis and queen and all Rush. right um which is why the doors that's actually times. another band that were almost metal they were heavy it was pretty times. heavy and no basis basically so and, and base, no bass. bass by proxy um so yeah man i mean this record this record is a was was a revolution of its own like this record for 19 for early 1970 written in 69 i'm gonna disagree slightly i would say it was about six revolutions there's so much there that people it was like when there was a college writing course I took where we read a four page short story and the professor was like, okay, you've all got to write a five page paper on one sentence. Here are your choices. And that's kind of this album. I don't, this is really funny. And again, like also like many of these bands we're going to discuss critically hated right off the bat. We're going to glow about this shit. Critically hated the two greatest rock critics of all time in my opinion are Lester Bangs and Robert Christgau. Robert Christgau is retired, does a little music criticism and does an email list that's really interesting especially if you're a journal and you're interested in this shit uh where he will like go through his archive and talk about some modern records and this Lester Bangs they have the excerpt from his review of Black Sabbath in the Wikipedia which I'm going to read because it's worthy. Rolling Stones Lester Bangs described the band as just like Cream, but worse. <laughs> and he dismissed the album as a shuck, despite the murky song titles and some inane lyrics that sound like Vanilla Fudge paying doggerel tribute to Aleister Crowley. The album has nothing to do with spiritualism, the occult, or anything much except stiff recitations of Cream cliches. That is a Harsh. sentence and a fucking half in his very poor review of Black Sabbath. I think he gave it like a fucking D. Um, and uh, again, Robert Christigo, who is like the Chaucer of fucking album reviewers, 
if you want fanciful, flowery words. He called it bullshit necromancy. Oh, my Lord. Bullshit necromancy. And he later described it as a reflection of the worst of counterculture, including the drug-impaired reaction time and long solos. To me, these things sound amazing. I'm like, I want this record now. Okay, Who- yes, and that is exactly true, especially when you get into songs like Warning. Yeah, is this Elephant Tree or is this Black Sabbath? Oh, wait, same thing. Um, and I like Elephant Tree, but um, quite a bit, quite a bit. So uh, unintentionally also marries them to Warner Brothers forever because originally this was, they were signed to Fontana Records who had a sub imprint they were trying to help. And they were like, ah, I don't know how this is going to do. Let's put it on Vertigo. Vertigo ends up getting subsumed later by Warner Brothers, which puts Black Sabbath on, on Warner Brothers, basically their whole career later. God, who listening to this right now remembers that Warner Brothers even had a record label? Well, they technically still do. They're still a thing because what was Warner Brothers is now reprise roadrunner electra Mm. they have all those things are under that umbrella they still exist technically when i go to my pr stuff for mastodon deftones and and sometimes disturbed i can still i still picture the logo that messed up w logo it's 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 the w but it's really fingers that are doing this but it's supposed to be a w i don't know what the fuck who thought that shit up it's not Somebody on cocaine, it was the one 70s. of the worst ones. But um I'm sorry, when it comes to the 70s and music and entertainment, I just assume they're walking around with you know a bowl of cocaine. Yeah. Uh I will say that Vanilla Fudge, which this guy mentioned in his review, but Lester Banks and Cactus, which is the later band by uh Carmine Ampasang, um is an incredible early metal band almost worthy of this album and almost worthy of black sabbath they just weren't first for me vanilla fudge is proto metal there's so much proto metal that it it took a long time well not a long i mean it took you know from between the yardbirds and 1970 is when it kind of started gesticulating Mm. and it, it wasn't quenched and tempered that's legitimate metal talk like metal the, the metal uh for the record it wasn't quenched and tempered until black sabbath released this record fair enough fair enough um so before we do the track by track i do want to interestingly point out because i think it kind of matters um again like i said there's this sort of thing with the tracks even today with the reissues um spotify has the you basically the uk track listing which is six tracks but two three and six sorry three and five are basically like three or four songs each all these little mini movements that i don't think black sabbath intended but they were just kind of produced this way um roger bain produced the original black sabbath album and ended up having a pretty long career producing other rock and heavy metal bands, uh, notably early Judas Priest records, which they hated him terribly. And um, Wikipedia has the original track listing as the first seven plus a reissue for eight that you know was a B-side, but not until later. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you wanna kick this thing off. You want me to kick this thing off? 
I'm looking at the, the, the European edition, and that is not the edition I have. Let's go scroll down to North American edition. We'll do that, because that makes more sense to me. Yeah, that's, the, uh, that's probably the issue. That, yeah, the North American edition is the one Americans know and is on Spotify from the 2014 remaster. Of and even though this podcast does have a Saudi Arabian listenership. Nice. I think, you know, most, most people listening to this are American. But uh, before we get to the track by track, let's take a quick break. And we are back. So the the album, the, the, the band Black Sabbath on their first record, Black Sabbath, kicks off their first record with Black Sabbath. And, to, and as you know, the Keith rule, most, most albums that have a song title for the band are, the song is usually horrible, not in this case. You know, I disagree, I disagree with that. I actually tend to like those probably far more than I should because it's fucking ridiculous. But this song, I mean, uh, I, I will argue that the lyrics are not as good as they could be. The lyrics in the version, uh, the basement tapes on Ozzy Osbourne's greatest hits, The Ozman Cometh. It's uh, about another 18 minutes of song. And not another 18 minutes of music, so I understand why they cut out so much of that. But, I mean, there actually is a, a bit about running away and, and all that business. But here we have a song where it's got the Devil's Tritone, which even today, 2021, 51 goddamn years later, that tritone is still unnerving. And that, to me, this song is what kicked off heavy metal as a legitimate art form, as a genre, as a revolution, where you could actually make a point this way. And that, that's, when I think, uh, that's when I think something becomes more than just a movement. Grunge, there was no point. They weren't making points. They were bitching about today. They weren't discussing tomorrow. They weren't, and uh, the, unlike Fleetwood Mac, they did stop thinking about tomorrow. Same with disco. Uh... You know, if I don't get somebody laughing, it's not. There's no point in doing this. But with Black turn Sabbath, this beat around. <clears throat> with, with this song, they they achieved everything that could be achieved in metal at that time. True. Um, Rob Zombie is famous for saying, "Everything you think you thought up, Black Sabbath and Alice Cooper did it first and better." Um, every especially great when you consider written. all of the the editions of Black Sabbath. And all of the editions of Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper did disco before Kiss even did. Yeah, I know. I tried to forget it, but he did it. You keep bringing it up. Um, I will. I will, I will, I will always bring it up. I will never forgive Kiss disco. But anyway, ruined my young childhood life. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a perfect song. Black Sabbath is a perfect song. Every single bit of it, the lyrics, everything, perfect. It's just perfect. It's still I would perfect. argue the story does not have a resolution, but I can live. Because he killed whatever that thing is killed him. Like that's why. Not in the not there. in the original version. The original version no, he ran yeah. away. He ran but away. again, you know, the, the original version was also about half the speed of yeah. the version we know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway. So it, then it goes on to The Wizard. <sighs> the Wizard to me is the greatest Black Sabbath song that they threw away. Oh. Interesting. They they just they don't play it. 
they never really played yeah. it. And I guess because, you know, when by the time they got to, to Showtime, they were all too drunk to play the harmonica. And by they I, all, I mean Ozzy. I feel like I saw a Black Sabbath reunion show where they did The Wizard and Ozzy right. played the harmonica, but I could have been on drugs. Are you sure it wasn't a cover band? No, it was definitely like a You're Black sure? Sabbath okay. at Ozfest. But uh, I, I, have, I might have been high. I, I've seen Black Sabbath twice with Ozzy. They did not play it. It is not on Reunion. It is not on uh, Live Evil. It is not on any of their live recordings. I'm sure they played it a bit. But to me, that is the song that launched a thousand ships. That 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 galloping drum beat. And there's Anthrax owes Black Sabbath about 60 to 70 percent of their okay. music to that drumbeat. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say shout out to Rob Halford on the original Nativity and Black Covers album with the Bullring Brummies, the, the Birmingham guys. Basically, Iomi, Halford, and a bunch of other dudes who covered this beautifully. Um, Halford talk, even talked about it in his book that it was like a huge thing for him to be honored to be able to do this cover when Priest grew up in Sabbath shadow worshiping them. Um, super flex. I interviewed KK Downing today. Anyway, um, speaking of Birmingham and those guys, uh, yeah, man, the wizard is just dope. Great story. Um, you know, geezer Butler lyrics on most everything at this point, And it's all creepy all the time. It, it's all creepy. And it's, I'm, I'm going to point out again, this record was recorded in 12 hours. Mm. On the same equipment, I could go down to the pawn shop and buy for $88. And you would never guess. Mm. It it sounds amazing. I mean, it, it's... It makes me... I, I'm verklempt. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, then we get on to Wasp Behind the Wall of Sweets. Behind the Wall of Sleep. Basically, NIB. To me, that's only two songs, really. I yes. don't know. I don't know what Wasp is. It's probably like Luke's Wall, where well, yeah, they Wasp decided is. To... It's just a little beginning snippet before Behind the Wall of Sleep. Great song, amazing song, covered many times, underrated. Another one they rarely ever play. Correct. I would also say, I can tell you why they didn't play that one. That is like Kiss's Firehouse and Hotter Than Hell. It's too similar. Correct. Except they. It, and, the, but the difference was this time, the Black Sabbath kept the Redux, not the original, whereas Kiss kept the original, not the Redux. Mm. This this song is very similar to War Pigs just a few months later. It's true. It's got a very similar War Pigsian thing to it. Uh, and basically, you know what it is. You just didn't know it was called that. It's the bass solo of Geezer Butler leading into NIB. Oh, thank Thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the bass solo, which also, your bass solo, you know, like not a lot of bass solos back then. Jack Bruce, John Entwistle, um, you know, Chris Squire. Yes, not a lot of bass solos in 1970. You know, very few. So Very few. Pretty fucking badass. And um, let's, let's talk about NIB. NIB is catchy. It's heavy. It's awesome. It's got an incredible chorus. Beautifully sung by Ozzy. We have to give Ozzy some credit for some of this. He actually knocked it out on this, considering. And Dio. How... I'm not talking about Dio. He's not in this band yet. 
Um, Sorry. Ozzy. My, my, again, my focus is wrong because I really got into Sabbath with Dio first. That's fine, but we're talking so, about when this I know, I know. originated. I, I, and you have to give I Ozzy his due, yes. even if Dio executes better because he's more talented vocally. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy I, you're right, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, That's okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. But yes, Ozzy kicks... There is nobody on this album that doesn't knock it out of the park every moment they get. This is... And th- this song is... Probably my favorite Black Sabbath tune and my absolute favorite. Okay. Uh, apart from the riff, you know, very it's satanic. Kind of very, I disagree. Um, disagree. It is, uh, it's very creepy, but it shows that even the devil is human. Even the devil wants more than the, you know, the idea of uh, Satanism, especially LeVay Satanism, is, you know, looking out for number one, caring about yourself first. Here we have seeing the devil doesn't even believe that. So I'm I'm a big softy romantic, as it were. I mean, everybody hears me talk about my wife. We've been together for, I don't know, so many years. And I mean, I don't want to go anywhere else. And, you know, this in, in my darkest days, this reminds me that everyone has. It, this is a song saying everyone has value. No matter how terrible you think you are, there is value there. There is someone there is someone who needs you. And that's a big mm. part of lyrically speaking, that's a big part of why I like this record. But yes. I also like I also like it because it's got a big heavy bass. I like that. I like a big bass. heavy bass sound. Same. If you're gonna have a bass guitar player in your band, you should be able to hear that dude. I used to play obscenely loud bass guitar in my bands, and uh, my purpose and sole goal was to shame these fuckers into turning their axes down or make them louder to compete with me and deafen the audience. This was my personal mission in life at that time, and um, beside crushing beers. And um, yeah, man, NIB, you know, uh, the geezer and a humongous profound effect on me, along with some others from this era as a player is what made me want to play bass is a song like NIB uh, or War Pigs, which I'll get to. And uh, there's a lot of debate about what NIB stands for. Obviously, Nativity and Black, the albums kind of. Um, what I read was that NIB was Bill's nickname. His nickname was Nib. Okay. So they put dots there because you put, you put things there. Right. That's, that's what I read. That's what I choose to believe because it, Makes the, no the story sense. that I heard is the nib was the nickname for Bill's little goatee, the nib of his chin, and that's Fair what enough. nib is. And they just started calling him nib, and uh, that became that song. It doesn't have a name, it's like we don't know what to call it. It's called the nib song because that beat. Well, why is Black Dog called Black Dog? They saw Black they saw Dog, Black Dog, <laughs> Shameless. Your favorites, you know. So, sometimes shit happens, and you gotta name. You gotta call a song something. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. So that is side one, and side one is probably the best side one of 1970. It's quite saying a lot, but you're right. And then we move on to Wicked World. Wicked World is there's still some hippy dippy in there but in a really amazing, powerful way, Mm. rather than we're hippies, here's a flower, we got nothing. You know, here we have Black Sabbath saying there are problems, here's what they are, let's compare and contrast A to B. Well, we have solutions. 
Mm. And again, you've got you've got a great this this is the one that's a bit more thrash metally to me because you have the guitar and the bass playing together really really well, and that to me is the essence of thrash metal. It's it's the two guitars, the two types of guitar playing together, not playing separately. Well done, well done. I uh, I really can't add too much to this. It's pretty damn great. Um, you know, it's, it's a it's, great song. It's poignant, it's heavy, it's amazing. Then well, I can say nothing else. I add nothing to that. Then moving on, we get to a bit of finger, sleeping village, and warning. I'm gonna ask you to discuss those first two because I have no idea what they are. <laughs> it's like what the fuck? Uh, I know again right? a bit of finger is a little audio chicanery, it's a little intro. Sleeping village. Shout out to Sleeping Village, the blog, which takes their name from this song, the heavy metal blog. Black Sabbath has named so many things. Named everything, actually. Yeah, pretty much. much. Um, And even things they didn't name unintentionally led to other people naming their shit because they considered it. Uh, The alternate title for the band, the two titles, they were like either Black Sabbath or White Zombie. Well, they're like Black over White. And then White Zombie was like, oh, dude, you remember that name they didn't use? White Zombie. Um, Warning, Everybody Knows, uh, is a cover from the band Crow, made famous by Ainsley Dunbar, who was the drummer most notably for Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, but the, like, the heyday, not the early shit, but, um, when, and Zappa always had a, like, a rotating group of people, but Dunbar was, like, his dude on the drums for a long time, and, um, yeah, man. Evil Woman is a great song. Sabbath made it their own. Um, they Sabbathed it. it. It wasn't as heavy in the original spooky, psychedelic way. And uh, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's heavy. That's Warning. The thing about Warning is there are, a, I would love to hear an eight minute uh, Tony Iommi solo, but not, not, not this week. You know, give me, give me a couple of years later. It's, it's, it, this is the only squiffyish part, just because it's 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 too long. Which um, I mean, it's rare for me to say that. Right. That, actually, I, actually, I'm sorry. That's warning. Is the Ansley Dunbar retaliation? And what I'm thinking of Crow is Evil Woman. Now, Evil Woman is on the British version of this album. It is not on the American version, except as a B side later. Yeah, I don't have that. So yeah, but. Evil, you know, Evil Woman is also a great fucking song. Uh, it's definitely in the bluesy Zeppelin, not as good, but like it's in there. It's in that realm of like, woman, you done me wrong. Woe is me shit. Uh, great riff. Oh, great the, first, baseline. the first six Led Zeppelin records. Basically. Um, when they weren't Zeppelin, singing about hobbits. Everything wasn't about hobbits and Mordor. Um, right. and, and fucking hammers. Real quick, Mordor. real quick. Uh, I, I want to say this because someone else has to hear it. Um, my father-in-law's celebration of life ceremony is going to be at some point. I'm, I've, I've been tapped as the MC, and I'm going to tell a story about how he didn't know Led Zeppelin, but he's a huge, he was a huge Hobbit fan. So as, so as I come on to the stage to begin the ceremony, uh, I'm going to have the Battle of Evermore playing behind That's me. a good one, Judy Collins. Now, because he, everybody he tells, talks about Immigrant Song, but actually Battle of Evermore is the more accurate, right, right, lyrical, right, right. Tolkien. So after, you know, after Led Zeppelin gets the Kennedy honors, he goes, wow, 
Led Zeppelin's really good. And I'm like, I'm like Bob. Which they didn't play that night. It was everybody else that played their song. Right, and I'm like, well, he started like checking him out of the library. And I'm like, Bob, 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 you were alive in 1970. You were rocking out to Janice, Jimmy, and Chicago at this time. How did you miss that? Anyway, so that's what I'm going to do. I gotcha. So so Evil Woman does need to merit inclusion in a discussion of the first, of Black Sabbath, the album, because... It was well, it was, and so, so in similar to Zeppelin, let's not throw this away. They did lean on these two covers to finish the album. They're great. And they made them their own, just like Zeppelin makes covers their own or, or will interpolate, which is a big word today. They will take a cover right around the cover, put the cover in the middle of their song May, and make you think it's just a riff that he did and it's well, really sm- smokestack lightning or whatever. They do, they do call me the hunter. They do call me the hunter. And I got you in the sight of my gun. Oh, no, you do not. Yes, you I'm do. married. I'm married. I'm married. Uh, not you, sir. Well, you're very handsome. I will say you're fat. I am fat. not, but I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, man, Black Sabbath, just like if they stopped after one, we'd still be talking about this fucking record. The, and that's one of the few. How many bands can you say that about? You know, if, if if Iron Maiden stopped after Iron Maiden, no, we would not be talking. Well, they'd be important. You'd be know you know them, but you wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would be. be they would be less than foot, Saxon. No. Well, you know, Saxon would be Saxon if they. Anyway, so yeah, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Do we want to take a smaller break? I already do. No, no, no. Just, we did a break. That's it. All right, yeah. then go and moving right along. I mean, what what is there to talk about in the history around all of this? Black Sabbath um, uh, plays around was it Birmingham. In, was it an instant hit? I don't think so. Not really. Um, I mean, Evil were... Woman and Wicked World were the was the single. So that's the thing. Like Evil Woman was the only single from the record, and it wasn't on the American version. And the single comes before the so the record comes out on the thirteenth Friday, the thirteenth of February, nineteen seventy, and then the single is out like a month earlier, and it's none of these songs that we identify with this album, and it's not known in America because it wasn't a song here till later. And um, yeah, so I I don't think it was an instantaneous hit because they went right back and made another record and they didn't tour much except locally. I think, I don't think they came to America till the second record. Um, uh, Let's see. Vertigo Friday the 13th, number eight on the UK album charts. That's impressive for an unknown it, band. It, it made an impression. I wouldn't say it was a runaway hit. Twenty three in the U on the Billboard two hundred in the U.S. So that's I mean that's not terrible. That's, that's significant. And it was released by Warner Brothers in the U.S., who again eventually bought Vertigo, and that's how they ended up on Warner. Um, it remained in the Billboard two hundred for more than a year, and ultimately sold a million copies. In nineteen now, I mean, like not in nineteen seventy, didn't sell a million, but like to have that album having been sold a million back then is astronomical today. That's unbelievable for an unknown band with no real power to, behind them. Warner was a big label back then, but like that's to really clarify great. to to clarify that Metallica's Through the Never soundtrack sold seventy five thousand copies, mm. and that was considered a success, right? Movie's terrible. Uh, um, movie's terrible. Album's good. Idea was a good idea. I like the idea. And no, 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 shouldn't be doing it. All right, next. Next. Um, Paranoid. So I go right back. 
they go right back to the studio and uh, they go right back to the studio to write Paranoid, which is like most Holy bands shit. don't have to work that hard. Yeah, and th- this is the Led Zeppelin formula of that time. Bang them out. Um, Led Zeppelin did that. Kiss did that. Pink Floyd did that. Bang, bang, bang. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. If I'm not mistaken, I have to check something out here for a second. So I'm going to quackety clack. I apologize. Hold on a second. Fucking Paranoid came out the day Jimi Hendrix died. I knew the date looked familiar. I was like, oh my God, is that the same day Jimmy died? Horrible. Horrible. Um, Paranoid comes out, you know, a few months, basically seven months later. So they wrote, they wrote and recorded Black Sabbath in 69, mastered, finished it in January, put the record out, becomes a hit, a modest hit, a pretty good hit, actually. Uh, successful record. They go right back to make another record because that's what they used to do in the old when you, cons- farm. when you consider the 70s, that that era, that was when a label would give you three to four records to find yourself. Right. And they found themselves on the first and they broke through on the first. That's that's significant. And they put them right back in the studio with Roger Bain with a little more, bu- a little more money. Not a lot more time, though. And... Uh, I'm opening another beer because it's beer time. Beer o'clock somewhere. And I am mistakenly, this is a bad idea. I'm going from Pabst Blue Ribbon to once again, my final can, possibly the final can ever of Armistice Milk Chocolate Stout from Armistice Brewers in Richmond, Uh, California. Upslope Hazy IPA. Mm -hmm. Still pretty good, still chocolatey. But yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense they would go back to Roger Bain. Roger Bain struck gold. Yeah. And it's not like when death metal comes out, you know, 25, 20 years later, 15 years, whatever you want to call it, where they couldn't record it. He recorded Black Sabbath perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times can, how many times does a new genre exist and it's right. recorded properly? Look at Rockarola. Look at Samson. Or don't. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, totally don't. Unibrow. Think about it. Unibrow. But, but think about it. <laughs> Two caterpillars fucking on that guy's oh, forehead. God damn it, anyway. Sorry. Sorry, listeners, but I'm I'm beerified up. It's been a rough day. Um, paranoid. They come right back in the studio. And as the story goes, I had eight hours to record this. I don't know why they didn't have longer. Maybe they were fucked up. I don't know. Maybe. And, and uh, they had sort of half written the album, went in the studio and figured like, we'll write a few in the, in the studio and they couldn't think of anything or they were fucked up. And the story goes, they had like an hour left of time and, and they wrote, and Iomi busts out the Paranoid riff off the top of his fucking head. Well, I mean, Paranoid only is three riffs. Yes. Intro, intro, chorus, or intro, verse, Chorus solo. That's it. It's a perfect song, though. It's two forty-eight it totally of perfection under three minutes. It is their only hit song. It's one of the eight songs I can play all the way through. They the yeah. solo. They same. They yeah. It was the single ahead of the record a month earlier, and 
they wrote it again in 10 minutes. The whole thing was written and recorded. And maybe they did two or three takes of the vocals. Tops. Tops. So, I don't know, man. Just like uh, a lot of Real mythology quick, around was, this album. What was that album originally going to be called? It was supposed to be called War Pigs. It was supposed to be very political. And the record label was like, yeah, no. Not you guys. We're going to call it Paranoid. So the album artwork makes no sense. And they might have even fucked up the artwork on purpose, the record label, because they didn't like it. It doesn't make sense for War Pigs either. It's a guy with a sword and a helmet. And a shield. A a a guy with a sword, a helmet, and a shield. In 1970. Right, in 1970. That is not the guy I'm going to send to defeat communism in Southeast Asia. What's the line from Age of Ultron where Jeremy Renner goes like, we're under attack from robots, the city is flying, and I have a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense. There you go. Uh, That pretty much much calls that one. Yeah, we're going to go defeat communism. Send the dude in with the... And not even a katana. Not even like a good sword. Yeah, it's like a simtar. Right, it's it's like it's a like bad, the, it's like a worst, bad, it's it's like a Chinese knockoff of a it's scimitar. A, it's like the worst fucking. It's sword a, it's, possible. it's like a chimitar. <laughs> Ouch. Um, but anyway, paranoid is incredible. Wait, wait, wait! It's like they sent evil Knievel with a shitty scimitar to right. defeat communism. Yes. yes. There you go. Go get him. Evil. They weren't going to. Um, no, unless he's going to like crash his bike into communism, then that could definitely happen. <laughs> Uh, he would have defeated that shit. Mr. <laughs> Gorbachev, I would have you take down that wall, but Knievel knocked it down 50 years ago. No, no. First, um, Knievel would have jumped over that thing. He would have jumped over that thing. And then, and then he would have driven through. And then driven and through. Broke his neck, healed, came back, and then yeah. Kool-Aid, man, that motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Right we sh- we Okay, realistically speaking, if we wanted to defeat communism in the 60s or 70s, we should have sent evil Knievel. Maybe. <laughs> Instead, we send Super Dave. Anyway, oh, oh, oh no! Balloon one ball, balloon this, ball, balloon ball. No one listening to this knows who the fuck that is. Anyway, fuck balloon ball. Exactly. Um, Paranoid Man is is great. Sorry, I'm we're way off track. That's the album Paranoid, written in no time, even less time than the first one, with a song, an iconic, all time classic for metal, written in ten minutes. And recorded in fifteen, is is maybe be, maybe as good or better than the first record. There's no fat on here. There's no fucking covers. The closest the closest thing I would I would say to fat on this one is Planet Caravan. Oh, I love Planet Caravan. Though. I said closest. It's so good. It it doesn't fit. It's some hippie shit. It's it weed is. music. It's some weed smoking music. It's not really. But you know, it gave them it gave them a link. They had passages on the other records that were like a little you know mellow it, it gave them breadth and depth yeah they, well zeppelin kind of fucked it up for everybody because remember by this time zeppelin 3 is out and you have you know like gallows going, pole you know, all that um shit. God, ramble the one, on the one about the, the one about the fish that's the way that's the oh, way yeah oh, the i way. love all those jams so yeah but yeah. The, you know like yeah zeppelin i just can't remember Led zeppelin else. song titles because yeah black dog yeah, exactly. And neither can they. And, right. uh, you know, yeah, unfortunately for, for every other heavy band, the band that just wanted to be heavy, Jim Croce and Led Zeppelin ruined it for you and Harry Chapin. So, and Joan Completely, Baez, completely. And um, Bobby D. 
But uh, oh, and yeah. the doors and Jimi Hendrix. I mean, it, yeah. it was ruined. So the album starts off. I gotta, I gotta start this track listing with me. Is that you or me? That's you. Really? It's in What's my ears. On? What's going on in San Francisco tonight, man? Burning the fucking city down. It's safer here in it's safer here in South St. Louis. That's unfortunate. I don't know how. <laughs> unfortunate for you. Um, yeah, War Pigs is my favorite Black Sabbath song. Um, my number two favorite Black Sabbath song is Lord of This World. War Pigs is incredible. I was singing War Pigs, probably not in Pampers, but in Tidy Whities, Naked Otherwise, in the projects in the Bronx. I don't look like this now. I was little and cute. Calm down. I'm not, ju- I'm not judging. We're just I had ginger hair, a mop mm, of ginger yeah. curls, and a diaper, Tidy Whities. And I what? heard that bass line change my whole brain to war picks three or four years old the The baseline to war pigs is a masterpiece of bass playing it is not just copy it yes it mirrors the riffs but there are all kinds of cool little grace notes and stuff that geezer put in there finger style super ahead of the game very motown inspired the song is brilliant. The riff is great. The lyrics are genius. They're very of the time with the Vietnam War. The album should have been called War Pigs. Like, of course, it's the first song on the record. Could've, it is eight minutes long. Should've. It feels like it's three minutes long. Agreed. There have been countless covers of this song, especially Faith No More's pretty good cover of it that people know. Spectacular. Uh, even though Patton couldn't have cared less, apparently, and was like blah 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 blah. From what blah. I understand, from what I understand, I don't know if this is true. This came from a Patton super fan in the '90s that Patton couldn't care less about Faith No More. Yeah, he was over it by the time they got famous, and that's fine. He ended up making it his band later. But the you know when people love the real thing, as do I. But apparently, it wasn't really he, his he was there to pay the bills, so he could so do he could do Phantom. Bumble. So he, and Fantomas and, and Fantomas. all that goofy, weird, crazy shit. The more, the better. I may actually get to see Faith No More soon. We'll see if it happens. Um, no Jim Martin, no Nick. I know. Um, so War Pigs, Paranoid already covered pretty well. Incredible, yeah, fast, say. in out, proto thrash, great. Could he almost be punk? Perfect. Closer to punk yeah. than thrash, but yeah. maybe Ozzy's best vocals. Maybe. It, it one was the first. It's one of the first times we hear legitimate emotion out of him, mm. rather than you know, warning. Obviously, is an emotional tune, but I would say that was more forced emotion. Mm. It, it seemed like he felt this more, probably after the press cycle of uh, the previous record. But moving on, moving on. Planet Caravan. <laughs> Did you say you're not, not that you're not a fan, but that it's just a weak moment for you? I said this was the closest thing to a weak moment. What makes it weak, what makes it close to a weak moment on this record for me is that it doesn't fit. It is, it's just, it's, it's, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's a great song. And I would argue that uh, Pantera's cover on uh, Far Beyond Driven was freaking amazing. And it is amazing. Uh, the solo was voted one of the top 100 guitar solos ever, and it's I, I a cover. Would, yeah, I would argue that Pantera did a better version of it than Sabbath, but um, yeah. I, I think it. I, I think what makes it really weak for me 
is the, the, the vocals were recorded and the vocals are weird. And it's not There's like a, a phaser on them. Right. It's it's not a a performance issue as much as it is a production a choice. Production and songwriting issue. It was a choice and it was a yeah, poor choice. Definitely a choice. Yep, gotta give it up. Um Iron Man. Holy shit. What can we say about this that hasn't been said? Nothing because moving, it's been said. I mean the riff on. is incredible and uh I am Iron Man. Uh, Real quick, did anybody notice in Avengers that Tony Stark was walking around in a Black Sabbath? Never always wearing a Black Sabbath shirt all the time. In all the movies, he's got one on at some point, uh, or he's listening to Suicidal Tendencies. He's a big metalhead, ever well established. Um, that's Flip side it. one. Which, of... if, if <laughs> I mean, think about this. Holy fuck! Yeah. They they did two. They this is their third side of music in a year, and my complaint about I, I have one complaint because I am an angry musical journalist that wants to make my bones off insulting others. The best I can say is, well, you know, Planet Caravan doesn't fit. That that's it. I mean that that is the only fault I can find. Uh, I mean, there's no. It's just Jesus Christ. How have you been able to come out of the woodwork and and just drop this on us? In a year. In less than a year. Mind-blowing. Completely. Um, well, flip that shit. Flip that shit over and drop that needle, Nick. I actually don't have this one on vinyl. <laughs> I know. I, I, don't, I have as much uh, Tony Martin Black Sabbath on vinyl as I do Ozzy. Which I'm working on. I'm working. I on. have the fucking Zach Sabbath Vertigo album, and not this on. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I really have only been building my collection for a short period of time, and it's a, a blend of modernist things and reissues of things. I, I have really Black Sabbath TYR on vinyl. That's impressive. And not this. And that's wild. Um, uh, Duncan sent it to me because he didn't like it. <laughs> So then we, we, we get to Electric Funeral, which is one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs. Probably my favorite song on this album because, you know, I'm a hipster, so I don't like the popular ones as much. But this one actually, no, I'm thinking of, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Hand the Doom. Uh, this one, great song. And it's a great, is it, it's a change up, but it's not a change up that doesn't fit. It, 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 this is an 0 and 2 change up. You expect it. It makes sense great song <clears throat> you know what's interesting about electric funeral and iomi in general that doesn't get talked about nearly enough for my personal taste and so i'm glad we have this podcast to discuss these things iomi actually uses the wawa correctly unlike 90 percent of people yo uh who rock on the wawa like a seesaw and it does make a nice sound because you're opening and closing the waves sonically there are You're three shifting. ways you can use a wah-wah pedal. You well, can, the correct you, way is to dial it to a sound and step the fuck off of it and no. leave it alone. The Kirk Hammett system. No, Kirk Hammett is the foot is no, bass that, drumming on the wah-wah That, that pedal, became later. Uh, originally, he had, a bass, he had a bass amp, so he would just click it on at total treble. Maybe, but Electric Funeral, the riff and the solo riff and like the the song itself 
has just a wah dialed in and it's perfect and i think the bass does too actually if you hear it carefully um or it could be that a no, geezer does I, occasionally do a vibrato with his left hand. No, so geezer, geezer uses the wah. Yeah, they have both are. And uh, it's one of the, real quick, and one of the things about Black Sabbath is everybody says Tony, uh, many people say that Tony Iommi is Black Sabbath. No. Tony Iommi and Geezer together are Black yeah. Sabbath. It takes It takes those two together. Fair enough. I think next is the song you were pining for. Hand of Doom. Oh, this was on Reunion. And this is a this is one of the few deep cuts on Reunion because there's not a whole lot. There's this. There is uh, Dirty Women. Ooh, any other deep cuts on that? On and see, you know, the problem with, with Sabbath is that these early records are so iconic and listened to. There are no deep, it's like Zeppelin. There's almost no deep cuts because you know those two. Yeah, so true. it's like, it's. Uh, I heard a band at a Bottle Rock Festival, a teenage band, cover Into the Void. And everybody knew it. And I was like, oh, no one's going to know this song. Wait, everybody knew this song, Into the Void? Black Sabbath into the void. Oh, Nick. so not not Ace Frehley's into the void. Not Ace Frehley's. Ace Frehley has a bad habit of taking song titles that other people have taken already, but that's fine. Song, He's song only done not, at least four Black song Sabbath titles. Some titles are not copyrightable. <laughs> now, in, in fairness, though, when he did Snowblind, his Snowblind was about cocaine, and Black Sabbath Snowblind was about being blinded by snow, and definitely, definitely not cocaine. Okay. Um, Hand of Doom is also a drug song So here we go, Sagway oh, Hand of Doom is about well, Most of them are, but Hand of Doom is specifically Besides Sweet Leaf and Snowblind A definite druggy song I did not know that, I actually did not I mean, it's just about heroin um, Anywho, great song, great riff Not much else to say, a lot of mid-tempo stuff On this record, Iron Man, Electric Funeral Hand of Doom um, you know, not as much up tempo things, and then uh, Rat Salad, the one instrumental, true instrumental full track. Usually, they would do like a segue or an interlude, they graduated to a full instrumental again. Blame Led Zeppelin 3. They were big, always big on interludes, they did, they liked the interludes. I also think that they were fans of uh, gotta remember one of the biggest bands at the time at this era is the Moody Blues, who wrote the book on symphonic rock and interludes and classical passages and fucking chamber music blended with heavy rock. So yes, all signs point to yes. Fairies wear boots. One of the greatest, another unbelievable great song to end this record. Now, real quick, before we get too deep into this one, you, you nailed it. It's a great song to end the record. And the first two Black Sabbath records, their their tracking is amazing. And I think that tracking of an album is something that's really lost in this modern era. It's, you know, it, it's kind of like it was in the 50s and 60s where people just whipped up a batch of singles and whatever, whatever it is, it is. And you've got Electric Funeral, Hand of Doom, Rat Salad, and then it ends with an absolute thumper 
of Fairies Wear Boots. And then this was basically their second big hit in a row. Uh, unlikely, again, in my opinion, an unlikely. Very, hit. very. Very unlikely band to have hits, but they did. And, uh, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of stuff about Satan, uh, people killing themselves with this record on the record player, apparently. Um, no, people are gonna they're gonna blame metal for everything that's they're gonna blame metal for everything. It, it, um, it's just foreshadowing. Interesting uh to note uh that uh Tom Allen, the legendary music producer and engineer who went on to work with Sabbath and Priest and Def Leppard and Kicks, which of these things Kicks. don't belong. Wow. Who just canceled the whole tour because two of their guys have COVID. Uh, get well, get well soon. He and he played piano on Planet, Planet Caravan as like a young young dude. Um, he was basically the engineer for Roger Bain, and he worked on Black Sabbath, Paranoid, and Master Reality. So, you know his his uh, if you go look that guy up, it's pretty fucking interesting. Um, so yeah, man, just uh, album cover is not good. But whatever, the first one knocked it out in that regard, and they have some other ones that are iconic. Um, but yeah, this album cover is possibly the worst of the Ozzy album covers, and that's saying something because some of them are terrible. No, Volume Four is worse. I like Volume Four. I like it. Uh, Texas Sabot- this is Sabot- not good. Sabotage is worse. Sabotage is not that good. If they were not wearing those outfits, it would be amazing. Never say die is not that what, good. An I, album I forget which one it is, but one of them is wearing red pantyhose as their pants. Maybe Bill. I think one it's of them Bill. is wearing a kimono. I mean, I don't need to see Black Sabbath packages quite that significantly. It's not the album package I was looking for. No, hey. it is not. It is not. Hey, oh. Ooh, um, Black Sabbath penises. This album has been reissued a jillion times. These songs have all been covered a million times. They are all, I mean, except for Rat Salad, all seven of the eight songs are just like you know them. If you know metal, you know these songs. Like, Correct. No way and that's that's what's so amazing about this album. You know, on their second record, they put out an album that would supersede themselves, supersede their career and solidify metal as a legitimate art form. The fact that they could do it two times in a row is what I is why I think you and I are here today. True, so true. Um yeah man, these these first two Sabbath records are pretty flawless. Uh I know that that's fish in a barrel. We're definitely going to have a little more fun with these out with this Black Sabbath run than we did with Maiden where it was like everything's awesome 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 then it kind of just slowly is not that awesome anymore but these were there's definitely a dip we're going to debate about when that dip comes we we will not i think it's be, later than nick does we will not be polishing our knobs to how amazing to, to, about how amazing this whole decade is no it's not like we did the last two it's not but what no. what matters is what they started with was perpetual forever if, and, if they uh, had again, just done these two records we would. I, I don't think the world changes. Mm, I disagree, but okay. I, I disagree. I mean, like these are eight songs, and other than the covers and one instrumental, so so thirteen of the sixteen first Black Sabbath songs, plus "Evil Woman," 
let's count evil woman they're unbelievable they're unbelievable they're unbelievable i'm just saying that these two records are what changed the world yeah you didn't need master of reality in volume four well i love those records so i'm gonna fight next week you look i love look i I, we'll talk about that another time but what i'm saying is i don't think the world changes if they stop here well i guess which that's not to say i'm glad they didn't continue i'm just saying that these two albums were seismic these two albums were tidal waves they were tsunami they were typhoons and you know maybe they didn't have a lot more of these well i again consistency is a thing we have seen in our careers few bands can have it it's really hard to remain to start on high most bands don't start at the top they work their way up peak and come down some bands i think i would come out of the the gate strong i would make the point that when black sabbath released their first record they were definitely definitely the number one band in heavy metal no kidding the only (laughs) band you sir are cut off um yeah good times good times good times. i don't know what, what else what else there's is, really nothing else, else we can add except right, to I mean, say they came back a year later with the next one when we pick up next week so like again prolific hardworking, whatever it was no money probably whatever it was i don't, we don't think keep they, working i don't, don't think they money. made any money in the 70s I think they made no money from these records it's all because stolen. don don stole it all sharon's dad i wonder where she gets it from Oh, she did one thing right. She made that guy rich. He suffered for his art for a long time. He made other people suffer. He made her suffer. At least she was able to make him and herself extremely, extremely uh, rich. Uh, I'm just going to say, we just know. Okay. We're... Don, uh, Sharon Osborne is probably the greatest manager for one dude sure herself like that's the dude she managed oh, herself oh. she's not managing her husband oh, she's just Lord. riding that dude into the grave all right all right what else do you have to say about black sabbath sharon's barely not even born yet <laughs> she was born black sabbath <laughs> rules everybody else drools uh i mean frankly these are probably this is probably the best one-two punch of any band not named led zeppelin very very possibly very possibly and with that uh i got nothing you got anything nothing this is the glacier musical podcast it does not play in peoria because we pee on the walls